reading from Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, Well, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is the word of our God. We pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I think it's kind of fitting. It's, it's so good to be here at peace here with you this morning. But I think it's fitting that we're talking about the holy ministry and you've got a guest preacher this morning. And you know that I know I look a little different than Pastor Crass, Pastor Simeon Crass, and but there are some things that are similar about us. I go to the same seminary that he graduated from. I've promised to hold to the same theology and teaching as he. We serve here in the same district of our church body, and we were only a couple years apart at that seminary too. I'm also a sinner, unworthy of this calling, someone whose ministry would all but unravel if it weren't for God's continual grace and presence. Maybe that's not where you thought my similarities would go, but it's true. When I consider myself and my own weaknesses and failings and my own sin, I find myself asking a lot. Who am I 
that I should have this office? Who am I that I should stand up here and share God's word with you? And I know I'm not the only minister that's ever thought this. No, our three readings this morning were three examples of this, weren't they? First, we had Paul, who was a blasphemer and a persecutor, the worst of sinners he called himself. He probably wondered, who am I? We had Matthew, a tax collector, a swindler of his people, considered a betrayer, yet Jesus called him. Who am I? And then we have Moses, a murderer, um, an outlaw, someone who wasn't even recognizable as part of God's people anymore. And when God did appear to him and call him, he literally asked, Who am I? But as we zoom into Moses this morning, we begin to understand why he asked this. He'd just been living his life in the wilderness, leading his father-in-law's flock with plenty of time to think back on things. Plenty of time to remember the glorious palace he actually grew up in before he messed it all up. Plenty of remembrance of the Egyptian sand that he frantically buried the man he murdered in. Plenty of memory of how he just wanted to help his oppressed people, but his own would not accept him. And so there he was, day after day, leading the flocks with nothing but memories of those times. That is until there was a burning bush. And this was no typical fire. No, he noticed how the flames would keep burning and burning, but the branches weren't disintegrating. Something was up here. And then suddenly, can you imagine it? The voice of God saying, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Suddenly feeling so small in the presence of the almighty God. And look what he says. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And who could blame him? The God of all his great ancestors talking to him. And he wasn't done. God went on to tell him about his plan. How he'd seen his people's misery in Egypt and the oppression they were facing and how he was going to do something about it. And how he was going to bring them to this wondrous land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And how was he going to do this? How was he going to do this, put this plan into shape that saved his people from the greatest empire on earth at that time? Look what he said. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, hold hold on, wait wait just a minute, Moses must have thought. You're sending me, me. You you are the God of my ancestors of all time, the, the creator God. He's just witnessed a miracle, the creator bending his laws of creation with that burning bush. He feels the pressure of that holiness, the fear pressing down on him. He's heard about how this is the Almighty God, heard his voice, heard about how he's going to deliver them from this powerful empire, and you're sending me. Who am I? 
that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt when I'm me and you're God? Do you ever feel like Moses is feeling here? Because what he's wondering is so easy. It's so tempting for all of us to look at ourselves and think, why me? Why has God chosen me? And believe me, it's a temptation for ministers of the gospel too. To look at the Almighty God and everything He is and to then look at self and see everything I'm not. I'm far too broken, too sinful, too lazy, selfish, impatient. Fill in the blank with whatever adjective it is for you where you really know how imperfect you are. Who am I? But this was looking at it in the wrong way. And notice how God showed Moses that. He basically ignores Moses' question of who am I and answers as though Moses asked, who are you, God? God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. This wasn't about who Moses was or even his shortcomings. No, God lifts Moses' gaze from himself to him. And that's what it is. That's what we can do in our unworthiness when we feel that unworthiness so deeply God lifts our gaze from ourselves to him, to hear him tell us something similar, that he is always with us and that he will bring us through. So who is he? This one whose presence makes all the difference. Moses has some more questions because he he realizes he cannot rely on who he is, who Moses is. No, he is a, he's a murderer known as one probably among his people. He knows he can't rely on that. So he says, well, God, when I'm bursting on the scene saying, hey, I'm sent by your God to free you from these people that have been oppressing you for for ages, what what do I say? They're not going to believe me. Who, Who should I say sent me? He says, what is his name? What should I say when they ask, what is his name? What shall I tell them? And God replies emphatically, I am who I am. He is God. And I am going to show them, and yes, through you, Moses, that I am indeed the one who is the God of their fathers. And it'll be shown when I deliver them and bring them to this very mountain you're standing on now. And so he says, you simply say who I am. Say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you, the one who has always been with their fathers, And now we'll go with you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This isn't about Moses. This isn't about how insufficient he is or even how sufficient he is. No, Moses is simply supposed to go and point to God and who he is. And isn't that what being a minister of God is all about? To simply point to Him. 
And really, for all of us, when we understand this, it changes how we look at ourselves. We don't look at ourselves and, and, and see our unworthiness and think of all the ways that God got it wrong. It, it shouldn't be me. I, I'm not cut out for this. No. God shows us that we can look at ourselves and be amazed that God does use us, even as we are so unworthy. Because it's not about who am I, but who is he? And what an example Moses would be of this. He would go to his people as that former murderer, as that guy who was an outcast for so long, and God was about to do amazing things through him. What an example Paul was to all of his readers and people he preached to, this former blasphemer and persecutor of the church, the worst of sinners. And, and listen to how he describes it. All of this was so that Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive an eternal life. And then what an example Matthew would be, this former tax collector and sinner, not and shows us that it's not about your history or your social status, but about he who calls you. And God so continues, generation after generation, to use unworthy people to proclaim him, to point to him, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Moses to Matthew to Paul to Jonathan Borman to Simeon Crass, Ethan Schultz, and even a visiting vicar. And you too. Sure, you're not in the public ministry, but you know Christ. And you have people in your lives you can show his love to. You have things he has put before you that he has ready just for you. And yeah, you might think, I'm, I'm not ready, I'm not good enough. No, not who am I. Who is he? That's how God would have it. His ministry, his people, full, full of people who understand just how broken they are, but how Christ has healed them. Think about it. You, you can tell online or, or in a commercial when a customer, customer testimonial is fake, can't you? you? You can just sense it. I mean, like picture for a moment there's this, there's this new medicine, really important medicine, and the, the spokesperson telling you how much it benefited him is this super young, super fit bodybuilder. He's like, oh yeah, saved my life, but, but he's you know, got these huge muscles. You're kind of like, I, I don't know. You know, like it, it could have been the strength of the man and not the strength of the medicine. You know, commercials, companies, they know to show you people who were actually affected by this, who would have been so weak and lost without this medication, people who this medication changed their whole lives. Is that not what God's ministry is all about? People who know the extent of their brokenness, people who know that without God we'd be completely lost in our transgressions and sins, hostile to God, unworthy. But people who know the extent of the rescue Christ has given them. And so that's what we get to do. And that's what I'm so blessed to stand up here this morning and do for you. Take it from me, a sinner saved by God, it's the strength of him, not me, not you. And his name will continue to be, 
to be proclaimed in that testimony throughout the generations. And that's how God wraps that up. He says, this is to be my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Thanks be to God for all of the pastors and teachers and ministers who have taught us that God has saved us completely when we were so, so lost. Because it's not about who am I, but who is he. And you know what else this teaches us? That when we look at the future generation, we might be really tempted to say, oh, that, oh I don't know about that one. I, I don't think they can carry this message on. I mean, they're the ones that are going to plummet this nation. They're the ones that are forgetting about church. And, and there's no way they're worthy to be pastors. No, no. Generation after generation, God has worked through imperfect people, unworthy people, to proclaim his message. Right after this reading this morning, Moses went on to make a whole bunch of other excuses to the point where God was getting angry. But God still used them to proclaim what he said, that he saw their suffering, saw the oppression they faced, and he was doing something about it. And now this morning, hear again from his messenger that God sees your pain, God sees your suffering, God sees the oppression that the devil and the world put on you, and he did something about it. He sent Christ to rescue you and to bring you to his promised land. That is what ministry is all about. So when you ask, who am I? You can say, yeah, I'm a sinner unworthy of the grace God has given me. But who is he? He's the great I am who was and is and is to come and whose faithfulness lasts for eternity. And so now, because of his great mercy and grace, your who am I is his dear child. Because who is he? The compassionate and gracious God who chose you in Christ. Amen.